one into episode 214 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. And we are talking Chargers today. The New England Patriots sitting at 3-4 and four on the young season. They will travel west to take on the 4-2 and two Los Angeles Chargers coming off of a bye week. This game, obviously, a rematch of a game last year where the Patriots had that double dip on the West Coast. Chargers on Sunday, Rams on Thursday night. The Chargers game ended well. The Patriots won that one 45-0, but we know what happened Thursday night against the Los Angeles Rams. So what we're going to do today in the second half of the show, we're going to talk what I'm looking for when the Patriots have in the football. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about the Chargers offense. Before we do that, your usual cavalcade of reminders here at the outset. Follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. A variety of places. USA Today's Touchdown Wire, Big Review, Bleeding Green Nation, Pat's Pulpit, Blogging the Boys, where I'm doing Dak Watch. And of course, over at Pat's Pulpit, now you're getting Mac Attack each week. A video breakdown of a variety of plays in chronological order from games uh, from rookie quarterback Mac Jones. The response to the debut installment of Mac Attack from this week, largely positive. So some negative feedback. You know, people saying that, you know, I, I had hot takes when they drafted Mac Jones and I, I need to remove my anti-Mac Jones bias, you know, and I'm using three of the first plays that I highlighted were negative. I can't help it if that's when they happen in the game, going through it in chronological order. But I appreciate those for watching, whether you liked it, whether you didn't. I appreciate the feedback, whether you liked it, whether you didn't. Let's start this show with an eye on the Chargers, talking about what to expect when the Los Angeles Chargers have the football. And of course, we start with Justin Herbert. And before diving into the Chargers offense this season and what I expect the Patriots to do defensively, with a look back at both last year's game and a look at what the Chargers have done this year, I I think it's good, given where the Patriots are right now, to just talk generally about second-year passer Justin Herbert. Because... If you think back, say, two years ago, when Justin Herbert was a senior quarterback at Oregon, there were a lot of people that didn't really know what to do with him from an evaluation standpoint, right? They, they didn't know what to do with Justin Herbert because of the Oregon offense. They didn't know what to do with Justin Herbert because of how he played in that Oregon offense. They didn't know if the small moments the small instances where he showed upper-tier quarterback play were enough to justify an early first-round pick. And as a result, you know, you start looking back at quarterback rankings from that draft class, Burrow, Tua, some at Jordan Love ahead of Justin Herbert. You know, Herbert was kind of an afterthought. Now, of course, narratives shift overnight, and the narrative on Justin Herbert has certainly shifted given the fact that he gets inserted into the starting lineup because of a, a freak incident with Tyrod Taylor. And he plays pretty much lights out from game one. I mean, his first game, he was inserted into the starting lineup against the defending Super Bowl champions. They pressured him a ton, the Chiefs did, but he played well under pressure. And throughout the season, that was perhaps the biggest thing that stood out when watching Justin Herbert. Even for those who were relatively high on him, 
If you're inclined, you can look at some of the work that I did. And I, I made a case for Herbert. And I, you know, going back at it now, I wish I wasn't as cowardly as I was back then. But I said, look, there's a case to be made that he's QB1. I won't go that far, but there's a case to be made. And I talked about his ability to layer throws, his ability to throw against leverage. It was hard to see, hard to find. There weren't a ton of instances of it, but the fact that he could do it gave me some hope about him in the future. I still had Burrow 1, 2, a 2, Herbert 3. I need to be a little bit more confident, I think. Same thing with like Lamar Jackson years ago. Love Lamar. He was still QB4 for me. So we all learn as we go in the evaluation game. But when it comes to Herbert, the things you saw at Oregon, albeit in just small flashes, are things that I think have become close to non-negotiables, if not full-on non-negotiables at the next level. If you have these in some variety, you can be successful early as the game starts to slow down for you as you go along. Ability to throw against leverage. I used to be extremely dogmatic in, does the quarterback know what coverage he's getting? Does he understand where he needs to go with the football? Because of that coverage, can he read coverage rotations and things like that? I used to be extremely dogmatic on that stuff. Now, very much less so. I don't care if you can tell me if it's stubby versus stomp, if it's, you know, two versus four versus six, or if it's one versus three or variations thereof. I want your eyes to be relatively in the right place, if not always in the right place. And I want you to be able to throw the football away from the leverage of the nearest defender. You can fill in the knowledge base as you go. That's one thing. The other thing is you have to have some level of athletic ability. You don't need to be Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, but you can't be Dwayne Haskins. You have to be able to move to either buy time on plays or to avoid pressure, to avoid free runners, to avoid blitzers, and then throw either outside of the pocket or on the move. Again, you don't have to be a super athlete, but you have to have... You have to fit somewhere on the athletic scale. A good example of that, Joe Burrow. Burrow's not a super athlete, but watch him at LSU. Watch him against the Baltimore Ravens this week. There's a great play where he's got a free runner. He sort of like dips to the outside, then dips climbing the pocket around him, then dips back to the outside. Just enough space to create a check down. He doesn't, you know, put a spin move on him. He doesn't explode downhill like a super athletic quarterback like a Kyle Lamari or Lamar Jackson, but he has enough athleticism to create, to extend, to buy himself time, and then find the open receiver. And I think as I start to move away from Justin Herbert and towards the Patriots situation, this is why I sort of argued when it came to Mac Jones that yes, he's not a super athlete. And I know there was the debate about Mac Jones, is he athletic enough? Yes, because of what he can do, Mac can do with his mind. And I highlighted plays from his season at Alabama where because he understood protection schemes and where blitz blitz schemes could attack those schemes, he could get ahead of his stuff with his mind. So he could then create just enough space with his legs, with his feet, and combine in combination with his mind to extend plays. Again, you don't have to be a super athlete, but you have to be athletic enough to create those opportunities because that leads to another area where Herbert really outshined his evaluation and that's playing with pressure. 
You're going to get pressure in the NFL. Maybe not all the time, but certainly sometimes. And how you handle those moments might determine whether you're going to be a good or bad quarterback. And you could make the case, and I made this case this offseason, Herbert was arguably the best quarterback in the league when pressured last year. You look at, you know, EPA when pressured, his game against the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which arguably put him on the map where he threw, I think, four touchdowns. That was the game where he was pressured the most on a down-to-down basis. You can make the case that he was the best quarterback in the league, not just rookies, but everybody, when pressured last year. And now you wonder about, okay, well, what do we know about Mac Jones being pressured? Right now, according to Pro Football Focus, Mac Jones has an adjusted completion percentage when pressured of 64.4. He's thrown four touchdowns, three interceptions when pressured. And that adjusted completion percentage ranks him 16th, like in the middle of the pack, among qualified NFL passers. That's passers that have attempted 50% of their team's dropbacks. Who does that put him ahead of? At least in terms of adjusted completion percentage. Tom Brady's at 17 with 64.2. And Justin Herbert is at 20 with 61.4. Now, yeah, you have the, the three interceptions and you don't like seeing that. And that actually ties Mac Jones for seventh most in the league in terms of interceptions when pressured. But still, that's not bad at all for a rookie quarterback that was given the tag of he's not the athletic guy. He's handling pressure better than expected, at least in terms of adjusted completion percentage when pressured. There isn't a rookie that's doing it better. And so that's why I sort of wanted to start at least a little Herbert versus Mac Jones discussion. Now, specifically turn into this game and when the Chargers have the football. Chargers obviously made a lot of investments along the offensive line this offseason, right? You look at some of the new additions, the new faces they brought in, obviously with a goal in mind that we want to protect our young quarterback. You know, they add Rashawn Slater, who has played at a very high level. They add... Matt Filer, the, the guard from Pittsburgh, you know, they made some additions on the offensive line and that unit is performing better. Even though we just walked through some of the Herbert pressure numbers. They're going to need to perform better because if you look back at last year's game, Ben Fennel um, on Twitter was tweeting out some clips from last year's game. The Patriots did a great job with stunts and twists up front. You know, you look back at last year's game, they really sort of harassed Justin Herbert. You know, in that game, Herbert completed 26 of 53 for just 209, no touchdowns, two interceptions, was sacked three times, NFL passer rating of just 43.7. Lots of guys got to Herbert in that game, Josh. Usually hit him three times, Winovich twice, Dietrich Wise twice, Butler, Guy, Anthony Jennings, Coward, Kenneth. Those guys all got to Justin Herbert. I started to say Kenneth Murray and Joey Bosa. Those were the only two guys that hit Cam Newton that day. So they were able to pressure the stunts, twists, stuff like that. I'd expect the Patriots to try some of that given last year's game tape. It might not work because of the improvements on the offensive line. So then you start thinking about, okay, what are you going to do on the back end? And digging into Herbert a little bit. He's got four interceptions this year, 
Two against middle of the field. Open coverages, cover two, cover four, cover six. And two against single high coverages, cover one, cover three. But what's interesting when you dig a little deeper in it, he's a much different passer facing those two high looks as he is when he's facing the single high stuff. Against the two high looks, and this is data from Sports Info Solutions, cover two, man, cover two, cover four, cover six. Herbert has an NFL passer rating. Again, NFL passer rating, it's not exactly perfect. But he's got an NFL passer rating against those coverages of 103.6, which is eighth best in the league. Now you strip it out and just search that for cover one, cover three. And Herbert has an NFL passer rating. Again, NFL passer rating, it is not perfect. Of 87.0. That is ranked 30th out of NFL passers this year. And in a sense, you can kind of figure out why. Their new head coach, Brandon Staley, he's part of this NFL level too high revolution, right? And again, I say NFL level because this is stuff that dates back to Friday nights years ago. And I've mentioned this so many times. Huddle Blitz 21, Coach Vass, defensive coordinator roundtable with Cody Alexander, with Kyle Kogan, with so many other high school defensive coaches. And they've been saying, look, for years we've been playing too high. We've been showing too high because we're daring you to run the football and turn your quarterback into a spectator. So I wish I could find the book that I read as a kid about, I was like nine years old reading this book about, you know, schemes and X's and O's at the NFL level. I think it was Joe Gibbs or maybe he wrote the forward or something. I wish I could find it because of this one line that has stuck in my brain for decades now, which is the NFL is a trickle up sport. The stuff you see on Sundays is coming from Fridays and Saturdays. And this is uh, this whole wave of, oh, teams are playing too high and daring you to run. And the Chiefs, they got to figure out too high because teams are showing them too high. It's from Fridays. You know, and, and so this idea that Staley has like sort of revolutionized the game under Fangio with this too high stuff, it's coming from the collegiate and the high school ranks. But Staley brought that. To the, ran- to the Chargers. And what do you think the Chargers saw a ton of in practice? This training camp. They probably were going up against the ones who were showing them too high stuff. So he's ready for that, number one. And number two, there are obviously throws that he can make, go flat, stick, all that stuff on the outside where he can attack cover two structures to the outside. Single coverage, single high, excuse me, cover one, cover three. That's tripped him up this year. And I think that, in many ways, plays to the Patriots' strengths. They, they want to be a single high team, Bill Belichick believes cover one, man free, whatever you want to call it, is the best coverage to play. So, I'm just saying, this might be a battle when the Chargers have the football that's tilted in New England's favor, or at least the Patriots have the high ground. So that's a talk about the Chargers' offense, Herbert, Jones, coverages up, all that fun stuff. Um, Next, I'm going to tell you why the Patriots are going to run the football all over the Chargers. This is going to be a huge Damian Harris game. That's ahead. Here in episode 214 of the Scale Show. Mark Schofield back with you now in episode 214 of the Scale Show. And as you might expect, I went a little on talking about quarterbacks and offensive stuff in the passing game. And I tend to do that. Either you like it or you don't. Hopefully you do. 
Maybe you don't. Let's talk, though, about when the Patriots have the football, and this one isn't hard to figure out. I expect this to be a big run game game. And I know we are living in the era of running backs don't matter and passing game is Kane and on down the line. And there's reams of data to, to support those theories and those ideas. And I get it all and I understand it all. And, you know, if people want to paint me as one of the like film watch guys that doesn't rely on numbers, I would just nudge you in the general direction of a piece of drop today on why I'm buying the Arizona Cardinals in which I, as I often do, try to marry data and film. I look at all sorts of efficiency numbers and success numbers and things like that to point out that the Cardinals are good on both sides of the ball. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They can stop the pass. They can get pressure with four, even though they do sometimes blitz. Their blitz rate of 31% is seventh most in the league. And then I give you film examples to, to back that stuff up. That's kind of what I like to do. It's got its roots in my background, right? You're right in a motion for summary judgment. You throw all the evidence you can find in front of the court, right? You put all the evidence in. Every little bit of evidence you can find, every little bit of case law you can find, you put it all in. You know, and that's kind of how I view the film versus numbers, film versus analytics debate is it's all evidence. You find the evidence that supports your position and use it. So that's just me. Quick tangent there. Let's refocus. And in doing that piece and in putting that piece together on the Chargers, you know, a lot of what I argued was, hey, you know, part of the reason that they're good on defense is they can get pressure with four, even though they still blitz a lot, you know, 31%. They could still get pressure with four. And I gave you examples of that. And part of it also is, look, they're scoring when they have the football. They're winning games, so they're ahead of a lot of games, and so teams have to become one-dimensional. That also allows them to play a lot of too-high stuff. Now, there is a drawback to that. The Arizona Cardinals have allowed five yards per rushing attempt on defense. Five. That's second most in the league. Now, say what you want about yards per attempt. You know, no statistic is crystallized perfect. But that does sort of jump out at you. And who's worse than them? The only team that's worse? Allowing 5.4 yards per attempt? The Los Angeles Chargers. And interestingly enough, in terms of Expected points contributed by Russian defense. This is a stat you can see on Pro Football Reference. Chargers are second worst in the league. Their run defense has allowed negative 25.05 points. Only team that's worse, the Kansas City Chiefs. And then they obviously have their own sets of issues. You look at DVOA, right? Defense adjusted value over average, over at Football Outsiders. Run DVOA, dead last in the league. The only team with a positive number. Every other team is in the negative. Los Angeles Chargers. And it's by a whopping amount. Their run DVOA is 8.3%. Kansas City, who checks in 31st in the league, is still minus 1.5. Negative numbers are kind of where you want to be. They're bad run defense. 
And he can't stop the run. You can run the football on these guys. And it shows up on the film as well. It doesn't take long to find examples of them giving up big plays in the run game. Now, they were off last week, but you go back two weeks ago, they faced the Ravens. Ravens obviously have a diverse run game, but you're seeing you know a 16-yard gain on just lead outside zone from Freeman to the right side. If you want to look it up, first quarter, 8-33 mark. It's out of the pistol with offset fullback to the right side of Lamar Jackson. And they show too high, but what you have to start doing if you can't stop the run is start bringing that safety down into the box. And Gilman, the strong safety, starts creeping down, trying to stop the run. But then, you know, later in the first quarter, Murray's touchdown, which is a 14-yard run, they're in a too-high look. And the fear with the too-high coverage is you have to be really explosive if you stay too high against run looks, particularly to get one of those safeties in the fit. And they run a power design. You know, they pull backside, guard and tackle. They pull from left to right. They get in front of Murray. Safety tries to scream downhill to get in the fit. He can't do it. Give up a touchdown. Obviously, you can see what the Browns did to them back in week five. You know, you had a lot of big runs in that game. In fact, you get the 52-yard touchdown run from Chubb midway through the fourth quarter, and surprise, surprise, they're in a too-high look. Derwin James comes screaming downhill to try to get in the fit, but they get a good block on him. Backside safety, it's an outside zone run to the right. Backside safety, Nasir Adderley, He's got a shot to make the tackle, but that comes, you know, like eight yards downfield, and he misses. You get a good block on the outside against the corner, Sante Samuel Jr., and you get a touchdown. And so you can run the football on these guys. And then obviously that sets up play action. It sets up all the other stuff you want to do in the passing game. But I really think we are going to see a heavy dose of Damien Harris in this game. You might see some J.J. Taylor stuff in this game. We're going to see the run game featured on Sunday, at least initially, right? Your initial game script, I think it's going to be run heavy because you can run the football on these guys. Now, if you're going to be that, that sort of too high team and sort of stay in that too high look, you got to be able to stop the run out of that or have success when you, you, know, you, you spin the safeties and bring one down. Or you can have... Aaron Donald. Brandon Staley doesn't have Aaron Donald right now. You know, having Aaron Donald gives you the ability to sort of slow down the run game out of that too high shell. They don't have Aaron Donald, and so you can run the football on this Chargers defense. So I really think when the Patriots have the football, it's going to be a heavy run game focus, at least to start. And if the game script allows, it might go the distance as a heavy run game. But we'll see. Either way, I will be back here Monday to break it all down, how it went down. Um, Until then, friends, stay safe. If you're celebrating this weekend, have a wonderful Halloween. My kids are going as Malfoyle and Hermione uh, from Harry Potter. Some of the other neighborhood kids are going as other Potter characters. It's going to be a fun little little Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Um, But I will be back Monday to break down this game. Until then, friends, stay safe. Checking on your neighbors, checking on your loved ones. Tell your loved ones you love them. Wash those hands, and when you do, sin along. Bless those Patriots' reigns. Down and fall.